0: Welcome to the Final Draft Great Conversations podcast. Today's Great Conversation is with Tara June Winch. Tara is a Wiradjuri author whose first novel, Swallow the Air, debuted to critical acclaim. Today, she's joining me to discuss her new novel, The Yield. I'm Andrew Popel, and every week I broadcast Final Draft from the studios of 2SER in Sydney. We record on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation, and I want to acknowledge the traditional custodians and their ongoing connection to the land, stolen land that was never ceded. On final draft, we explore the best of Australia's books, writing and literary culture, as featured on 2 ACR in Sydney. Now, the Great Conversations podcast is a chance for everyone, no matter where you are in the world, to hear more of these discussions and explore great Australian writing. The Yield is a story of Australia told across three distinct narratives. Albert Gondawindi is writing a dictionary that he hopes will help revive his language and his culture for his family when he dies. His granddaughter August is returning to Prosperous House to farewell her grandfather, just as the miners arrive to plunder the land for tin. While well, through the letters of Reverend Ferdinand Greenleaf, we are taken back to the founding of Prosperous House and see exposed the racism and discrimination at the heart of these relations a century earlier. Um. My name is Andrew Popel, and right now I'm joined on the line from Melbourne by Tara June Winch. Tara is a Wiradjuri author whose first novel, Swallow the Air, was critically acclaimed, receiving a slew of awards. And Tara's new novel that we're going to be discussing today is The Yield. Yamundumarang, Tara, I, I hope my pronunciation was okay there again. It was, it was great. I wanted to welcome you. I wanted to say thanks. And reading The Yield has been such a phenomenal experience for me. For the listeners who might not know what I just said, it was a Wiradjuri greeting. And as I read The Yield, you had me constantly thinking about this this myth, this lie that I grew up with, that Australia is a monolingual country, and that's why I only speak one language. But when I travel, I always try to learn a few words, even just to say hello and, and order a coffee. You do discuss this later in the book, that even just to say hello and use language is, is so much about respect for people and the people whose land you're visiting. And I felt like reading The Yield, that this is a respect that had maybe been lacking in my entire life, and The Yield has helped me understand a bit of my responsibility there. But let's let's get into the book, because The Yield is told across three narratives. Albert Gondwindi's dictionary seeks to revive language and stories that he wants to pass on to his family when he dies. August, his granddaughter, returns to Prosperous House for the funeral of her grandfather, just as miners are arriving to plunder the land for tin. And through the letters of Reverend Ferdinand Greenleaf, we see exposed the racism and discrimination at the heart of the founding of Prosperous House a century earlier. Structurally, these interwoven chapters serve to gradually expose narrative elements across time. But in this relatively circumscribed space, these histories of massacre plains in Prosperous House almost seem to serve the history of Australia. Why did you choose these styles and these stories to, to tell the yield?
1: Well, I wanted to tell the story of Australia. That is probably why the book took so long, is because I was trying to be so broad in my focus. And when I did focus all of um, Australian history into those 500 acres on the banks of the fictional Murumbi River, then I could see the characters that I would need to tell the story of all time in that space. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, and... In August's story, in August's return to Prosperous House, it forces her to confront the unknowns of the disappearance of her sister, Jeddah. This is something that happened many years ago for her. She's been living in the UK for for 10 years. This unknown history, it threads itself through Albert's story as well and the entire Gondwindi family. History that is unknown and unacknowledged is a big part of Australia and Australia's history. And in the story, it's acknowledged that there is there is truth there to be discovered about what happened to Jeddah and not confronting it leaves wounds open. What damage did you see being done to August growing up with these unknowns?
1: Well, August grows up with the residue of intergenerational trauma. Um, it leads to a kind of sort of state of psychosis, in a sense. She's somewhere between two conceptual worlds in, in the thread of the Reverend Ferdinand who is writing about, you know, the firm, um, unshakable timeline, he's referring to time all the time in, in church sort of time, he's referring to dates and people who keep dates and keep, you know, structures of society um, in his view. And then you've got Poppy Albert Gondwindi who is breaking the nature of time in a, in a sort of magical, realist way and is able to travel through the expanses of, of all time. And then August is kind of um, caught between these two worlds and, and is the product of these, these two histories on the same place. And it, and it is such a burden for her. And I guess I felt in a lot of ways why August was... The most difficult strand to to write is because it felt personal and it felt traumatic and and horrifying to to write her strand to to look at these histories really truthfully and and look at how painful it is for, for generations who inherit who have this terrible inheritance.
0: It's it's really clear how how one how terrible this is and also what a personal story it must have been for you but if i can still talk a little bit more about august i saw in her return she she also is forced to confront where she fits in her own history and there's there's a, a part of the story where she's travelling to sydney to a museum where artifacts are being held um she she wants to get them back for her for her family, for her people. And she confronts these images and, and thinks of it, that these were real Aborigines, not like auntie and her. This this is a way of thinking that's permeated August's own self-conception. But it's that sort of idea of, of realness and authenticity seems to be a legacy of really racist ways of thinking. Is this, where are we at coming to terms with this? I feel like we're not as a, as a nation coming to terms with it.
1: Absolutely. This is, um, this is how she's experienced her society at her age, and how it has, um, you know, traversed other generations. Her mother is this, and her father are from this sort of lost generation, and her grandmother also feeling those effects. Um, she's from a, a, an extremely um, a, a part of the country that. Had extreme colonization, had um, there were massacres there there was a war, a hundred year war. Um, there was a lot of pain and a lot of blood spill on that particular area of land, and there are a lot of broken links and so many families from the stolen generation are from this part of Australia in particular. Um, and I just wanted to show what that felt like down the line and how how white Australians or everyday Australians that she grows up around, especially in these rural areas, have a perception of her unbelonging to the place that her family has belonged to for forever because they've grown up with these racist attitudes towards the First Nations people. And because that was the narrative that they grew, grew up with, they were taken away, they were... Uh, it's it's really complex to write these um villainous kind of situations or these truth telling um episodes for August. Mm. Um because there are all so people are so multifaceted that society. So there are good and bad. I don't wanna like hark on that there's only one line being towed in this book because mm. I've really tried to present a whole Pulitzer spectrum it's really great to hear your um I mean your interpretation of the book um and I do think it's true in many ways that I'm just sort of like yeah I think readers need to take I think different readers will take what they what they take from this book and that's what I really wanted them to do it's it's
0: but, an extraordinary opportunity as a book to to explore though and we, we've sort of barely touched on on Albert's Dictionary, but one thing that I... I mean, I learned, I learned so much from it, but one thing that it, it taught me is this idea of, of the yield. Uh, Bayana is not simply what's taken. We have this idea of a yield being something that you know, the land gives up, but also what's given. We learn um, that the Gondwindi were farmers. They cultivated the land long before. And I saw you're down in Melbourne for Melbourne Writers Festival and and on the lineup, Bruce Pascoe's in conversation with Tyson Yunkaporta. And I'm just getting into Tyson's book at the moment, but I wondered your thoughts around the ways traditional knowledges and understanding are now kind of, I'm going to use scare quotes to say rediscovered in Australia and and how that sort of... uh, Aspect of it worked its way into the narratives of the yield.
1: Um, I think, uh, yeah, the thing is that we've been these stories have been around these storytellers, and even these great writers have been around for um, over a century now. Mm. So, and oh, thousands and thousands of years, we, we thousands and thousands of years where the original storytellers. People's voices, our people's First Nations voices, has been around forever. It isn't us that's changed; it's it's the it's the reader that's changed. Mm. The fact that they're listening now. So I mean, it's great. Publishers have a bit to do with that. The fact that they're taking risks and publishing these books and, and publishing them in a way that's pushing them into the into the viewing um, eye line, I guess, mm. of the public. But um, these stories and these storytellers have been around forever and they just haven't had the audiences that they're having. So it is the, it is Australian readers that have changed, and for the better. But um, they need to change, not just on the page. You can, they need to take stuff away from these books and, and talk about them and talk about these issues in communities, in their local schools, and in the way they vote, actually, because that's where the power is.
0: Yeah, and I think... I want to engage now with the third section of the book, um, the the letter from the Reverend Ferdinand Greenleaf, his letter to the British Society of Ethnography. This section was was one that I found particularly troubling, and it's probably because it's reflecting a white view, a, view, a worldview that perhaps I was brought up with, a lot of listeners will have been brought up with, where... Um, he talks of how wrongs became accepted as rights. But in his story, we also very very much see how these ideas of protection, he sees himself as a good man doing, trying to do good things. But yeah. they quickly become another form of assimilation and destruction of culture in, in what he thinks he's doing to protect. He's actually just changing in a different way. Did you want this letter um, and the sections of this letter to say anything about seemingly well-meaning, progressive-type people who do miss the irony in that sort of parochial worldview?
1: Absolutely. I was writing to those those portions of society that still exist that believe that the removal of children from their parents, from their birth parents, was for their own good. Um, we, there are pockets of society that still believe that, and I was writing to those people to smack them over the head with the fact that even if you believed this, even if you believed that it was for their own good or with the best intentions, nothing turned out well. You know, a, comp- a culture was decimated, families were torn apart, and languages were lost. There was a denial of the mother tongue, which is a denial of the soul and the spirit and, and all history and, and all time. Yeah, um, I wanted to flip the idea of the villain on its head for those readers,
0: one of the things I, I really connected with the way you have told stories and the importance of language and I feel like we're still kind of talking off the interview here because for me for me personally language is, is something that's very important like this is this is a job that I do but my my day job I'm a speech pathologist and I work with, um, I work with children, uh, who, who are developing language, having trouble developing language. And I just see oh, language
1: that's fascinating. as being,
0: yeah. as being such a, yeah, it's such a huge expression of self, but also identity. And one thing that I think I, I was challenged with a couple of years ago was how my practice, so I'm a speech pathologist, I'm white, I speak English. I only speak English. You know, I, like I said, mm-hmm. I can order coffee in probably 10 different languages, but, um, that's no good to anyone but me. Um, and the idea, if I had if I had a young Indigenous um, boy or girl come to me and need services, where my role, like where is the blurring of the line between the help that I'm trying to give and and what I'm doing using a settler tongue in in helping this person? And so, to read your book and to to have done a little bit of background research in the way, um, you know, uh, different different people are are reviving and actually bringing back to life languages that have been described as dead languages. It's mm-hmm. just been really powerful, but your story really brought that home. So sorry, that was completely you know off the the thread of, the thread of things. But just why were, you know I've been looking forward to this and love the yield so much.
1: Oh, thank you. It means heaps. It made me cry.
0: <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, in fairness, your book made me cry. So <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, I just it's 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 meant a lot to me. I am speaking uh, from Melbourne with Tara June Winch. We are discussing the yield. It is an absolutely gripping, fascinating story, uh, told across three narratives. We've discussed, um, Albert Gondwindi, the dictionary, the, this absolutely compelling weaving of, of language and tale we've told of August Gondwindi's return, uh, to, to her home, to her family and the wounds that are reopened and that have to heal. Um, Tara, I've, I've just been so gripped by this. We've, we've kind of skirted over some amazing plot points that I'm just going to encourage people. There is, you connect with ideas of land, but also the damage that is being done to land. And we don't want to open up a, a whole nother thread, but you really uh, engage with the natural world and the, the damage being done by things like mining. What was important for you to say there about, um, about that engagement with land? Well,
1: the land is, is, is the mother so um, when I'm talking about intergenerational trauma, when I'm talking about um, the children literally being taken from mothers, um, I need to talk about the landscape having in, been inflicted with those wounds too. Mm. Um, the river runs dry in, in my book and, and when we're in the editing stages and i had written that, the river running dry, you know, three years before, and when I was in the editing stages the darling did run dry and it really um I think had such an impact on me when I was writing this book, it really um made it much more um important that I tell this story and I think that's evident on the page. And my um my brother also died while I was editing this book. And so I think there's um a lot of heartbreak on the page, and I just hope that um, readers know that I've really put everything into this book.
0: Yeah, it's it's so apparent how much you have put into this book, and I'm I'm going to say thank you again because I can hear I can hear in your voice and I can see on your pages that this this book is so much of yourself. Um, Mandangu, Tara. I, again, I hope I've, I've said that correctly, but thank you so much. I really appreciate your time today you discussing it the word.
1: Mandangu and all my yimara, which means respect and gentleness and kindness. Thank you.
0: That's it for this great conversation with Tara June Winch. Tara's new novel is The Yield, and it's out now. Great Conversations is recorded on Gadigal land of the Eora Nation at 2SER's Broadway Studios in Sydney, Australia. The show is produced and presented by Andrew Popel. To keep up with the latest in books, writing, and literary culture, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just look for at Final Draft 2SER. When you click subscribe in your podcast app, you'll get a new great conversation from Final Draft every week. My name is Andrew Popel. I will be back with more great conversations from Final Draft next week. Till then, happy reading.